Welcome to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode 81. 81. And we have a special guest here with us, Kelly Morris. It's me. Kelly's Kelly here. Morris. Yay. You know, I finally need to change your contact in my phone, Kelly. It's, it still says Kelly Scott. It's about time. It's been almost I think, three years. I think Daryl's might it's still say... Daryl Scott in mine. Uh, well, on Planning Center, it is says, still there. Says Daryl Scott. <laughs> I like calling your husband Daryl Scott just to I like bring him down a notch or two. I, maybe know, we fun. should uh, start a petition. All people who want us to change our name back to Scott, Daryl Scott. There you go. <laughs> I think it's good. Uh, Lauren, any uh, any eighty ones that stick out to you? Wow, you put me on the spot here. I did. I, usually, you're just you know a wealth of random numbers I here. Don't have, I don't have an 81 that no? jumps out to me. Not, not, I feel frozen. Not like a Randy Moss or... or Randy Moss was 84. And 81. He was 81? Uh-huh. At the Vikings, he was 81? Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, I thought he was 84. He was that too. Okay. Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens was 81. Tim Brown. That's my quarterback. Yeah, T.O.'s a loon, so... <laughs> I heard he he I, was fun though. I think he's like forty seven, forty eight, and I heard he ran like a four three forty just wow. just recently. The guy's a phenom. Yeah, probably, probably has a twelve pack. I don't think I could break five. Oh, there's no at best. If there's <laughs> in I, my, in I don't my think prime. I can break six right now. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's a forty yard dash time. Kelly's like. 3.7, easy. Uh, always. Always, right. I know exactly what that I means. totally know. No, in high, school, in high school, I ran a 4.9, so there's no way right now I'm breaking five. <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's pretty good. That's good. I'm slow. Um, I'm old, Okay, enough I'm sports. Slow. Enough sports. Did you know, I just learned this this morning, did you know that you can use spider webs to stop bleeding? <laughs> I know, I know. You're making random, this up. I'm not. You I'm have not. to. Random facts. You, you grab be in you a location Google where it. there's lots of spiderwebs. You spider grab webs. old spiderwebs uh-huh. and you make them into a ball. I don't, I don't. And, and then you apply. And you apply it like a Band-Aid. And it just has like a, soak, and it helps, a, a soaking it helps, up feature. It helps the blood clot. What? So do I go around my house, find spiderwebs and collect them for future you could. medical this use? This changes you everything. Could. I think I'm going to have a conversation I'm with gonna, my wife I'm about what we do with our spiderwebs. I told you we needed to stop dusting. <laughs> Obviously, I was right. I'm going to have to check with Terry for medical support. I'm not saying it's medical advice that you should do this. I'm not sure I'm buying this. I Googled it because I was told. must be true. I was talking to our friend Jonathan this morning, and he said he was telling me a story. And I was like, I've never heard that before. And he said, I hadn't either. And so So, I Googled it, and he was right. So I wonder, in all seriousness, in parts of the world where they don't have access to many of the things we do yeah. if that's like a go-to and they have access to lots of spiders apparently <laughs> do you have any gauze no gauze <laughs> do you have any spider webs i mean <laughs> i happen to have a jar of spiders in my gauze. <laughs> in my first aid kit my that's jar right. of spiders oh, my in the spiders. world they're, they're we talk, what what is the deal here we talked about snakes <laughs> last week and now yep. we're on to spiders yep. like i'm increasingly uncomfortable i'm just saying the e6 podcast kelly you have any uh any good random facts for us i did i came prepared <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you don't anymore? Now you don't? No, I well, I do. Okay. Um, I had a hundred useless facts that I looked through yesterday so that I could provide something. That's a sad prepared. way to prepare for the E6 prepared. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look for useless facts. I can also, also read that book. But Right, yes. <laughs> but first. But first. Um, and the number one useless fact is that you cannot take a Furby into the Pentagon in case you felt the need. 
specifically like Furbies Furby. have been outlawed. Correct. <laughs> Something had to have happened at some point. Well, if you've actually the... seen Mitchell's versus the Machines, you know it that me. they can they can take over the world. Yes. They are tools of that was evil. A, that was one big Furby. Why thing. would somebody make that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I thought back to my childhood when I had a Furby, and it went off at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. So I covered it with a blanket, thinking that would kill it. Um, it didn't. And a year later, I forgot that it was still there on my shelf, and <laughs> the Furby went off again at 2 o'clock in the morning. traumatic. It was. And so now I understand why the Pentagon would implement such a rule. I'm okay. dying to know wh- how that originated. I don't know. Yeah, fur- what, no what was the situation? This that is where we make there, the biggest right. military decisions <laughs> on the planet. No Furbies. Right. And there was no Can context I. on my useless facts. It was just the fact. And I then, like it. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Did you know that two weeks ago, um, the, the, uh, the Air Guitar World Championships oh my were held? The Air Guitar World Championships. It's, uh, it's the top... It's the top tournament for faux guitar players around the world as they gathered in Finland. This cannot be true. I missed it my is opportunity. So true. Was there is prize there, money? Oh, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, is there video footage? Yes, there is. Oh, I'll get there. I'll please, get there. please include okay, a link okay, in the so show this notes. Features for that. participants pretending to play an invisible guitar while dancing along to their favorite song, their, their song of choice, right? So if you've ever seen like like the uh, like like the sing uh, lip sync battles, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever, it's basically that, just with, with guitar. the guitar version mm-hmm. of it. Interesting. And uh, so the reigning champion, his name, uh, this is from 2019 because because we had COVID and all that stuff. So um, Bob, uh, Rob, I'm sorry, Rob, Rob the Marquis. Uh, <laughs> He won in 2009, and the guy that hosted it, his name was um, Justin Nordic Thunder, <laughs> and he won in 2012, but he was the host. And uh, there was another guy named Matt Aristotle, if you know, if you get it. Oh. Aristotle, yeah, he won in, in 16, 17. So apparently you have to have a good name. As Absolutely. well as, as being, wow. so Killer I, I just, it was, it, was, it was really funny. So I was like, oh, I, I have to go look this up. So you can go to... Um, airguitarworldchampionships.com and you can watch the video of it and it it, it is com- as as completely ridiculous as it sounds like it would be at some point you run out of moves don't you you would think i think you just well at i mean some but, point but songs, we've all seen songs the repeat same. so can you go back to the same move for the chorus that you go mm-hmm. back to again i don't know i guess it's all about energy so Nord- nordic thunder Justin Nordic Thunder Justin was quoted, Nordic and Thunder. he said, uh, "He said he already knew how to play the real guitar, uh, you know, as as known as is known to air guitarists as the their guitar, quote unquote." <laughs> and he learned about air guitar competitions, and he says, "I quote." It is ridiculous. It's as silly and absurd as it sounds. Yeah. In fact, that's why I wanted to start being an air guitarist to begin with, because I saw that this thing existed, and I'm like, that is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> I want to be the best in the world at that. I end, love a good quote. self-aware I air guitar that. player. I, I, that's actually refreshing. Think about it doesn't the, get dumber the, than that. I'm in. Think about all the, all the bass players that are like, wait. What? Self-awareness. <laughs> You, you did not. That's a So they judge in a couple of categories: <laughs> okay. technical merit, stage presence, and what they call airness, which is an extent that the performance transcends 
and that, uh, the, the imitation in- of real guitar playing and mm. becomes an art form. That's the intangible. Mm. That's the intangible, factor. right? Yeah. It's like how good just the it factor are they? Yeah. Uh, I was gonna save this for Tanner because you know he is notorious for his air guitaring. <laughs> you know, he loves to uh, headbang. I don't know, but <laughs> since we have <laughs> since we have a a member of the worship team, one of our worship leaders here. I thought, uh, you know what? I can't. I can't pass this opportunity up. It. Are you about to pull out a hidden camera and I have to I, play the air guitar? We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna tag all the times that we've seen you air guitar. Oh, and post them all on Facebook for you. Fantastic. Um, are you are you an air instrument player? I am barely a regular instrument player. So, <laughs> but that makes it, it. But doesn't that make you more likely to? The fact that I have to not learn any musical theory, I can just air it. Yep, yeah, yep. I would. I would participate if they had a. Um, like a mediocre air guitar player competition. <laughs> I think no, that would be not where the I shine. I'm not ready right. for the world championship. Yeah, if we had a, a step stool up to that. Oh, okay. My, my okay. brain has instantly gone to Ron Burgundy with the flute. Um, <laughs> the jazz flute. <laughs> the jazz flute. That's what it was. Sorry, the jazz flute. Like there is there is some entertainment value Okay, there. so you have repeatedly told us that you have zero musical abilities. That's not true. I sell myself short. You want to I have play very, the very, triangle. I have very, very little have you ever, musical like, like, ability. How often do you play an air triangle? <laughs> like you're over there on the side Regular. and Tanner's just doing his thing. And no. I've seen him worship seen like him, that. Right? He's yes. down front. That is so not you true. Do How play. often are you like, yeah. <laughs> I, love I play a little so air low. guitar. I, I, I play a lot more drums. I play, you play a lot air more drums. drums. Yes. I play Especially the, in the car. I play the car drums. I beat the heck out of the, a lot. the steering wheel. I don't think I've ever done that except Phil Collins in the air tonight. Yes. You can't not do it. You can't not. Who doesn't do that? Right. So that would be See? my song of choice. That is the best. Air <laughs> and so do you switch Kelly. if you were if you were air guitaring to in the air tonight? Yes. Specifically in the air tonight. Would you would I you would, switch to the drums real I quick? I would fake throw the guitar over my shoulder. <laughs> get my drumsticks out my back pocket. <laughs> go for it. Yes. <laughs> and then bring it back around. Uh, as uh, one does. So this book, Unoffendable, we've been <laughs> uh we've been talking about this thing for um, multiple weeks now and you're looking at me like, is he really transitioning? And I am. Is, so. I don't even know how we transition. That was so smooth. I'm stuck here because <laughs> if we had, if we had video footage of every one that we even have a relationship with in the car, you know, by themselves or in the living room by them, we'd all be offended a lot less about a whole lot of things. Totally. Because we'd all go, wow, we are all Look so, at your skills. You know, so silly. <laughs> I do. Cody Choate once was driving in his car, drove up next to Alex Meek. Well, she's Alex riding in now. Yeah, riding um, in. And uh, he said he pulled up next to her and she was just going to town, yes. like singing, air guitar, drumming. I would drumming, expect nothing, nothing less, less from Alex. Alex yes. And so that story has always stuck with me. So really, you need we need video footage of her. Oh, but, that's a fantastic yeah. idea. I always like to I always like to pull up when I pull up some next to anybody that's doing that. I always like to like crack my window and try to see if I can hear like what what are they listening to? I think like, that's what, what he did. I can think. I, can <laughs> I find? I, I, I just enjoy oh, that's that. the greatest. Like, All right, that's. I that's wish we could good. orchestrate that song. That you just have to come up on it. You just mm-hmm. have to discover it because yeah. it's such a humiliating thing. You can't make it happen. Maybe instead of come to the table, we do a competition, a lip sync air guitar. I don't hate that idea. No. I, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> Tanner has to host it though. Yep, I'm down for sure. It's got legs. It's got legs. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can all rub shoulders together afterwards. Rub uh, shoulders. <laughs> wait, wait. What does that have to do with it? <laughs> 
<laughs> We're trying to create community here, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, this book. So yeah. uh, let's move on. <clears throat> we have. I love hearing that you listened to it already, Kelly. Listen to uh, it on the audio version. Mm-hmm. Now you're reading through it old school. Yep. Okay, so we have gone from uh, chapter one to chapter twelve so far in the last couple of weeks as we've done this. Um, is there anything that you? Um, Anything that's that's really stood out to you? Maybe something we haven't talked about yet. Even if we had, what what stuck out to you in the in the first half of the book? I think that you guys have really covered a lot of what stuck out to me. Um, the understanding that I've gotten from the first few chapters of why anger is not of God, why it is an enemy, why it is a tool. Um, you've highlighted that well. I really loved when Lauren was talking about the three D's of destruction that the devil uses um, because that resonated so much with me when thinking of division, distraction, um, discrediting, Mm -hmm. and how personal that is for all of us, how we have Mm -hmm. easily experienced times in our lives that, that can resonate with one or all of those elements of destruction. So I thought it laid the groundwork really well. I think he's so funny. Um, I was listening to it in my AirPods at work and I'm just, you know, on my computer and my office mates have to listen to me randomly start giggling and (laughs) they have no idea what's happening. And then, uh, one of my coworkers did ask what I was, what I was listening to. And I said, it's actually an audio book that we're doing a sermon series on. And so now he wants to read it. Which was cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I appreciate the humor that he ties in. Yeah, I, I enjoy it as well. But it's also at the same time, like like I've, I listened to it before we did this, and and a lot of it was in the car. We were driving back from vacation, and so my wife sit next to me, and I would just start laughing at something, and and she'd be like, "What are you laughing at?" I'm like, "I I don't I don't have all the context to give you. I don't know how to explain like, it to you. I can <laughs> say what he just said, but you you don't. You're not you gonna find that funny. Yeah, yeah. you're like okay. <laughs> So yeah, I, I've I've appreciated that, and and that's the kind of thing like I need that to keep me engaged in the book, you yes. know. Um, in, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of books that I read that are very technical and mm-hmm. and clinical and that kind of thing, but um, only about specific topics. So mm-hmm. if you're going to hand me a book and be like, hey, you do, you should read this book. Absolutely. If it doesn't have humor in it or it's not hitting on one of my nerves, then I may probably not finish that book per mm-hmm. se. I, I think. Know. I think that's worth even focusing on for a second. There's something about the gift of humor that just breaks down barriers. You know, mm-hmm. if I if I need to hear a really hard word and it's super serious, I may be in the right spot to hear it. But if someone can make me laugh mm-hmm. and if someone humbly does a good job of laughing at themselves, mm-hmm. then I am wide open to something I maybe I need to hear. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, at least a, a decent chunk of why I really like this book is the content's great and I need to wrestle with it. But because he's so stinking funny mm-hmm. and he's so self-aware of his own junk and can articulate it well, I think, um, it doesn't feel preachy at all. It, mm-hmm. it feels like, man, this, it feels like he is sharing with us what he is learning and how much he needs it. And that's so winsome to me. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of we don't we don't have that in our culture. Like our culture doesn't want. That's why it's what's so different when a comedian does that, right? Because yeah. they're they're a lot of the time they're self deprecating. They're like, right. man, I did this thing and it was stupid or whatever. Even even one of the stories that he tells, I think in our chunk today, um, he tells a story about um, 
something that happened, and he's like, but the end of the story doesn't matter. Or I hate to tell this story because it makes, makes me look me the good. Hero, yeah. You know, it makes mm-hmm. me, you know, I'm, I'm the hero in it. And so, and so he's even like, I, I don't, I don't really want to portray myself. And so the rest of the book, as he's like, when I don't like to talk to people and I don't want to go do this thing. Mm-hmm. And my wife says, you need to go to, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I think it does that. I think it breaks down the walls or at least some barriers, if you will, that mm-hmm. that's like, we, we don't get that. And so when you actually have somebody being vulnerable and authentic, if you want to throw out the buzzwords of the, you know, the 2010s and, um, that's that you know that's yeah. what it is it's like yeah. it's somebody's actually being honest with with what you're talking about and we're just not used to it right. right right because he's not claiming at any point that i do this perfectly i never get angry anymore i'm cured yeah. you know he doesn't he doesn't ever claim that he acknowledges the fact that we're going to continue to battle it and here's all mm-hmm. these examples of how i have here's all these examples of how i've found yeah. things work and um i think that's really relevant and key for us too to recognize that you don't read this book and suddenly you're never angry again or you're never offended again, but you have a biblical understanding, a scriptural Jesus centric understanding of why we need to, the, when you said the day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely. Let's, let's not sit in it. Let's not act out of it. I also, I can't help but be grateful. Maybe this is just a, a tiny thing, but I, I love that this was written in 2015. Mm-hmm. So even his anecdotes, even his cultural observations, um, you know, in, in our time today, 2022, or, or even the last two or three years, you almost can't use any cultural issue mm-hmm. without somebody getting really upset, uh, misunderstanding, uh, you didn't unpack that enough. Um, I know that as a public speaker. Um, so I love that he's just ta- he's just telling stories, and mm-hmm. and it's not so much. And then it, then it turns out to be prophetic because to me, we said this I think when we first started talking about the book a few weeks ago, Brooke. Um, this this is downright prophetic to me. Yeah, that our culture to me is noticeably angrier, grumpier, more offended uh, all around me. Um, today than it was five years ago. Absolutely, and I and I I know that that's saying something. That's at the risk of sounding like, well, back in my day, you know, uh, <laughs> get off my lawn. And and I know there's a risk of that, but I really do think just in the last handful of years, not three decades ago, but five years ago, we mm-hmm. were less grumpy, we were less angry. Um, it's I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad to hear you've enjoyed it. Yeah. Did you know he's coming out with an updated version? I did not. Uh, I well, it was on my list of options when I went to buy the book, so I could actually physically. So it's not out yet, but it's coming. It's September sixteenth, apparently. Is there any particular reason he's updating it? Was I he... think because of the circumstances over the last couple of years. I think he wanted to add on. Interesting. Well, Unoffendable, look... except for these areas. <laughs> <laughs> Unoffendable, especially <laughs> post COVID. And huh. Well, that that currently. actually intrigues me. Yeah. I I will. I've enjoyed it so much that I will look forward to yeah. hearing I what other what cool. new takes he has. Or I pre-ordered it, so I'll just read it a nice. third time. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hmm. Cool. So last week we were going to go through uh, through chapter thirteen, and we just kind of ran out of time in order to be able to give it um, to do chapter thirteen justice. Not that I intended to. 
I think words you there? just meant to use the J word. Uh, so chapter 13 is where we're going to start today, so we, we can have enough time to do this one um, honestly here. So uh, the big question, what about injustice? And I will say, um, as, as I started reading this, um, that was one of my biggest things, is like, well, how is he going to deal with this mm-hmm. topic? Because right now, um, and, and I'd say even probably the last you know, 10, 15 years, um, that topic alone has been one that has had the you know some of the most heated debates sure. and arguments sure. or um, you know protests and all that kind of stuff and so it was like that was one of the things that I was really curious like what is this gonna how is this gonna happen mm-hmm. you know and and so I I really enjoyed this chapter and how he um, at least how he was gonna break it down so I, I have a question that we that we got from um, actually from from Brett. Um, who was here last oh, good, week? Good. Um, so one of the things that he was hoping to be able to to talk about while he was here. So I'll I'll bring that up in a minute. But, but before we get to that, like what what are you guys thinking? Like what stands out to you in this chapter here? Well, can I jump in before we even talk about the chapter? Because I think this is I get a little uh, fired up about this. I think the word justice is even worth talking about for a second, mm-hmm. um, because it's been it's been co opted. I think um, to mean things it doesn't mean. Um, we're not talking about, you know, what some people might call social justice. Um, justice is one of the most biblical themes you could argue start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason it says in the Old Testament that we quote all the time as New Testament Christians, we are to, to seek justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Mm-hmm. God is about justice. Um, even the, the prophecies that we can count on, bank on as Christians, that in the end, justice will will be done by God, not by us, but by God. And so it it angers me, <laughs> if I can appropriately use that word. It frustrates me that if you say the J word, so to speak, um, it, it can be misunderstood that you're talking about, I don't, I don't know, throw, throw, throw a trigger word in Marxism or something. You know, it has nothing to do with that when we talk about God's longing for justice. You, you can make the theological statement that Jesus went to the cross for justice, mm-hmm. to, to justify, to, to pay what needed to be paid on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And so um, I say that to say, because I just hope, I hope somebody, you know, you hear the word justice or injustice, and I think in these days we live in, ironically, people get quickly offended, quickly upset, because they misunderstand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's one more in a long list of words that, yeah, you can't just you throw can't just out throw there out like there. you have to define yeah. as you're trying yeah. to talk about it. Right, wrongs being righted is is what I would say is justice. You know, um, payment demanded for you know consequences mm-hmm. of actions. It's it's justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, I'll I'll go ahead and, and jump in. I, I really appreciated how he separated anger from. Uh, action. action yeah. um, that, that really spoke to me. I think, I think, let's see, on page 96, bottom of 95, when talking about this with people, this idea that the Bible doesn't ever endorse human anger as a solution for injustice, I get this reaction, particularly from men, but we've got to do something. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. Do something. Take action. But if we don't get angry, we won't do anything. And I love, I love his pushback. Really? Why? So you can't just do the right thing because it's the right thing. The Bible gives us ample commands to act 
and never ever says to do it out of anger. Instead, we're to be motivated by something very different, love and obedience born of love. Man, I just, I don't think that can be said better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tagged on, I highlighted that same section and tagged on, and not love as a fuzzy abstraction, but love as a gutsy, willful decision to seek the best for others. Mm. And I think that's what gets lost sometimes. Yeah, it's not lovey-dovey, wussy, feel good. It's gutsy, willful decision to seek the best for others. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's what drives you to sacrifice yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah, he says, uh, you can recognize injustice, you can stand up to it, and even sacrifice your life fighting for it, and you can do all of that without anger. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can do it better. You won't be remembered as angry, but as convicted about what's right and loving in the very end. This kind of love leaves an impression on one's enemies that anger simply will never, never will. Mm-hmm. That's well said. That's a quote that I used. Daryl had a situation recently where he was really riled up about something, and he specifically called me in the middle of the day and said, I need you to talk me down from this. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I thought of that exact quote, um, this kind of love leaves an impression on one's enemies that anger simply never will. So you can, you can be mad at them all day long. You can hope for their comeuppance. You can hope for mm. retribution of some sort. Uh, that doesn't, I, I think a lot of people expect that because God is just that God will give justice in all things. Mm. But that we have to relinquish our confusion, which Brant talks about somewhere in the chapter. Uh, we have to relinquish our confusion of maybe that's not God's will. We are not God. So what what hurts us and what we want retribution for may not be in God's plan. And that's OK, because it is on it. It's we're not God. Mm-hmm. And your only job is to try to be the best version of yourself, the best follower of Christ that you can be. And the only way to do that is to not respond in anger and not respond in a way you don't, you don't need to seek retribution. Mm. You need to seek love, forgiveness, grace, because that's what's been given to us and let God handle it his way. If that means that it gets handled differently than you want, that's okay. Okay, so what you're what you're hitting on there brings me to this question, and um, and so the the question Brett's asking is is about um, uh, biblical means, and then I have a, another question on the other side of it, um, just to tag on to more nowadays. So he, he, Brett says, um, I recently finished um, watching Terminal List, a popular mm. not kid friendly TV show starring <laughs> yeah. Chris Pratt, who is a disgraced Navy SEAL. Without giving away too much, he experiences tremendous loss and pain and is framed for it, and the rest of the season is about him seeking lots and lots of vengeance. The, show first, uh, the show's first episode opens with a story um, from the Old Testament, and Pratt's character is, rela- is, uh, from, uh, I'm sorry, is also related to Job in the middle of the season. So my question is, when confronted with personal injustice, pain, and trauma, how did Job, Old Testament prophets... Uh, how do we really give the big and small injustices around us to God? I need you to say that question one more time. Right. So, so when we are confronted with personal injustice, with pain, with trauma, um, how do we give those big things and even small things? How do we give those things, the injustices, to God? How did the Old Testament? How did Job do it? How did the prophets do it? Um, what in our lives? You know, how do we go about doing that? Right. It's easy to say. Um, it's easy to say, 
you know, well, be unoffendable. Let it go. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about, like in this in this scenario, talking about this TV show where um, this this you know huge thing has happened to him, this you know altered his life, um, and and now he has turned his life to just seeking vengeance. Um, how do we get ourselves out of that uh, that 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 hole that is just you can only continue down this road, or you have to give it up? How do we how do we find ourselves in there? What did the Old Testament, what the prophets do about this? Because they dealt with a lot of injustice throughout the time of exile and and uh, you know slavery and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, Job. When you throw in the story of, um, of of the ways that he was tested and still had faith and trust in God, how do we uh, how do we deal with these things when we are? It's not just oh somebody cut me off, you know. When um, when somebody breaks in or mm-hmm. uh, or, or something happens. How do we, how do we deal with that? Well, and in thinking of the terminalist specifically, uh, we've been watching that as well. I mean, he is deeply wronged. Like the the main character is mm-hmm. is wronged to a point that most of us hopefully will never have to endure. Um, and I think it comes down to humility and trust. Humility for the fact of we have to understand that we also wrong people. We, there is never going to be a relationship that you're in that you are not going to disappoint someone, offend someone, um, harm someone in some way emotionally. And it, it doesn't give you the right. You do not automatically have the right to respond in anger and then harm someone back. Um, and trusting that God has your best interest in mind at all times. Um, it's hard to see through the mess of life sometimes, but that, uh, what's for you, God will, God will bring to you. And that, um, at the end of the day, it's, there's, there's nothing that we could do here on earth that is going to be satisfying long-term. I don't think there's ever a a time where we're going to be glad that we responded in anger. Um, or glad that we responded in vengeance. There, it's always going to eat at us in some way. So trusting that God has a plan for the way he responds. I think that's well said, Kelly. And th- this is maybe not encouraging at all, but I, I think, and I haven't seen the terminal list, but I remember mm-hmm. Brett alluding to it a little bit, and mm-hmm. you just you just said it without giving the plot away. He's deeply wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think... This speaks to how unique it is to follow Jesus, how how radical it is to follow Jesus. I think that's part of the problem is we say, well, how many Christians are in our country? Gazillions, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, how many people are living the way of Jesus, really trusting him, believing in him, following him? And that's where I, I don't say this self-righteously or judgmentally, but I think it's a it's a much, much tinier percentage. It speaks to how, because we, we, I, I even grab a hold of the word that, that Hanson used in his book in a different chapter. He talked about de-radicalizing the very nature of following Jesus. Mm. Went, jump into a different chapter, but in 17, he's talking about, or is it 17 or 18? 18. He's talking about forgiveness. And, um, I'll read this page 142. He says, Jesus tells his followers to forgive as we have been forgiven to your point. Mm -hmm. Yet we find reasons why this doesn't quite apply in our situation. (laughs) Yeah, but I was really wronged. 
Yeah, but that's just egregious, you know. Yeah, but he just keeps doing it, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then he says, but we've just de-radicalized the very nature of following Jesus because we think we know a better way. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like I hear Jesus saying, yeah, you're supposed to forgive. Yeah, but, but I got really wronged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you need to trust me. Okay, I do, except for right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, again, I don't think that's encouraging. That's more of an observation of, of the way things are, not how... I think your question or Brett's question is, okay, but how do we overcome that? Mm-hmm. But again, back to the example of Jesus at the end of 16 on a different subject. He's talking about um, the uniqueness of Jesus. He says, what does a properly religious leader do when seeing his so-called best friends for the first time after they've disowned him and betrayed him in his hour of need? What, what did Jesus do? A, show them the error of their wicked ways by pronouncing harsh, deserved judgment upon them. <laughs> B, Give them a stern talking to, but offer forgiveness if they prove themselves truly penitent. Or C, fry them up a hearty breakfast. <laughs> yep. And Jesus chose C. Um, and I think that's to me what's so I'm so why I'm so enamored by mm-hmm. Jesus. Because without even seeing the show yet, and I'm sure I'll watch Terminal List. It's in my it's in my Your cue. My cue. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Pratt's character certainly is going to represent, oh my goodness, I, I would want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to, it's going to light my fire. Um, you know, John Wick's dog getting, you know, killed is not quite the same thing, but you know what I'm saying? Like when we get really wronged, I, I can see myself justifying it. And I, if I, if I take a good hard look back at Jesus, he just speaks to the contrary. He mm-hmm. just says, do you really trust me or not? Yeah. You really just trust that I know what's best for you um, or not. And so I think Job is an outlier. I think it's why we talk about Job thousands of years later, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to radically follow Jesus is an outlier. It's, it's as frustrating as that sounds and is, um, it's, it's so hard. It's so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. It's so against the grain of everyone else going the other direction. Um, it's so much easier to get angry, to get offended. It's so much easier to want retribution. It's so much easier to lash back out. And so, um, I don't think I can speak to this question as to, okay, well, how do we overcome? But I can observe it's all correlated to trust, faith. Um, I think you said it well, Kelly, to a, a clear, an intentional understanding of our own depravity, our own need for grace. Um, I, I think he talks really well about the attentiveness we need to, to um, God's grace and forgiveness and love. Um, and then he takes it a whole other step. We have to, act, we have to actually believe it, he says mm-hmm. in the book, because uh, a lot of us say it, but we don't really live like we believe it. I think if we live like we believe it, if we really believe it, I think it's doable. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's the Elizabeth Elliot who famously, you know, had her husband killed yeah. by those um, folks. I can't remember the the part of the world down in Central America, mm-hmm. unreached people, savagely killed, and of all things, she goes down there on her own, forgives them, lives loves them. them, lives with them, mm-hmm. leads them to Jesus. Like it doesn't get any less like mm-hmm. terminal list <laughs> without me having seen it, you know? Right. <laughs> um, 
And that's the, that's the way of Jesus. That's the heart of God. So I think we just talked for eight minutes without saying, okay, but how do we pull that off? Yeah. <laughs> well, and so as he, as he brought up Terminal List, it, it started me thinking about other movies um, that, that are just, solely based on on vengeance, vengeance right so there's yeah. there's there's the one there's the kind of show like the taken where you know with Liam Neeson where his daughter is taken and now he is going to get her back and you know wreaks havoc on the way there um but it you know at least it's kind of different where you're trying trying to accomplish something get somebody somebody back but in terminal list like that's that's not the case and and i started thinking like it, it, it maybe this is just our hypocrisy in mm-hmm. in the ways that we can that we live right but so if you if you think about like things like um uh black panther or like star wars movie star wars 3 um uh w- with uh, with anakin and now everything is he, he's he's revenge of the yeah, yeah. you know he's all, he's all about revenge right um star trek movies the dark knight think about the joker mm-hmm. um you know when when the bad guy is the one seeking vengeance and revenge, we have no problem being on the side of of the the hero or the police or the justice uh, the justice uh, you know system or what you know the lawyer whoever it is like we have no problem identifying ourselves on this side and be like oh yeah we're the ones with the white hat right yeah. Yeah. but then flip that script and then you go to the terminal list or uh, without remorse that uh, that that Michael B Jordan did um, John Wick that you brought up um, the Punisher Gladiator. The, pun- uh, the Punisher is probably one of them. <laughs> right? right, it yeah. is. Count of Monte Cristo, like the Count stories that we now we now we identify ourselves on the other side of it. It's like, oh well, the good guy was wronged, and so we have no problem watching this a, a little know, this person do that. Like, is it is it just like our hypocrisy, or do we just yes. never want to see ourselves in the bad no, light? No, I, I well, first of all, I have to mention maybe my favorite. Um, retribution movie that's that's a lesser known sleeper is Payback with Mel Gibson. Okay. Um, I, I don't know why I'm endorsing that on our church podcast, <laughs> but back in the day, it just like all those other movies you listed, it something in me rises up, uh-huh. and I want to be that person. I I see myself um, relishing in their revenge, mm-hmm. and I I think it I think hypocrisy is one accurate word for it uh i think i think compartmentalization i I don't i don't know how much i I always think of compartmentalization as something guys struggle with more so kelly you can totally shoot this down but as a guy i'm amazed at how many times i can just put my blinders on and forget all this other stuff and and be in that moment and in some ways that's a good thing it's almost like did god make me that way so i could accomplish some things without having everything else weigh on me Mm -hmm. but it's amazing how i can forget jesus i can forget what i believe he taught for example in the sermon on the mount love your enemies um what he modeled lay down your life that's what love looks like and i can turn on a john wick film and just go kick his butt you know take him (laughs) out yes you know and and I think hypocrisy is an accurate word. I think denial, compartmentalization denial. comes to mind. I don't think there's anything from the Lord about that. I really don't. Um, and I, all my Christian friends struggle with this. We all go see those movies together, you know? Um, and we talk about them, and that was amazing, you know? So I'm, I'm troubled by it, and, and yet uh, I, th- I think it's just the, the flesh 
you know, the battle we have till, till we die on this, in this life, the battle we have internally. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe this muddies the water a little bit, but what about, he uses the example of, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where now he is, he is a pacifist who has decided to attempt to kill Hitler, right? right. And so obviously in our current context, you know, there's the debate of, do you kill Hitler as, you know, if you could go back in time and stop that all from happening. But, you know, he is now acting in a, in a way that, that affects, you know, millions of lives, millions Mm -hmm. of lives. We can talk about the Marvel movies and, you know, these guys are fighting Thanos for the sake of millions of lives. Mm -hmm. But, some of these other movies that are about vengeance are similar in yeah. that it's the same, you know, it's like if I could take out the bad people who made this decision that hurts me, how many other people does that mm-hmm. help in the, in the future as well? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like I said, is it, is it muddy the water when you throw in somebody like that? That's like a, he is a pastor, a, a pacifist that is not about to raise a gun to anybody. He's not going to fight in the army. He's, he is against the regime of the Nazis, but doing it in a, in a conscientious objector, Mm -hmm. you know, way. And then something flips in his head and he says, I I can't, I can't sit by the side anymore. But, but I will say as, as one who loves Bonhoeffer and (laughs) has, have read, um, a couple biographies, um, and hung around people that, even idolize him a little bit too much. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. He he really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Like he he I would I would call Bonhoeffer a passionate pacifist who I don't know how else to say it reluctantly relinquished that. And even then, as he was a part of the of the plan to assassinate Hitler, was like expressed just being so heavy hearted and troubled by it. And so it at least speaks to the inner turmoil that he experienced. Um, he didn't just go, you know what? Yeah, we got to take him out. Like it wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. (laughs) Um, but your point is made in that, um, he's a, he's a pastor who's, who knows the scripture and, and you read the cost of discipleship, which is probably his, um, best work. Mm -hmm. In fact, Tanner, by the way, mentioned that in our podcast a few weeks ago, he's reading that for his class right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Bonhoeffer struggled with it. I love too to to connect a couple dots though. Bonhoeffer was quoted, and I was trying to find the quote here. Um, Bonhoeffer was quoted about separating anger from uh, action for injustice. Uh, it's got to be one hundred one. One hundred one. Thank you. I love I love that he quoted MLK, mm-hmm. saying, "Man, we how do we fight injustice without anger? Be motivated by love." Um, he quoted Bonhoeffer in the cost of discipleship. Oh yeah, it is from that book. He says, Jesus will not accept the common distinction between righteous indignation and unjustifiable anger. That's a strong Mm -hmm. statement. The disciple must be entirely innocent of anger because anger is an offense against both God and his neighbor. Now that's not scripture. That's Bonhoeffer. We don't have to agree with it, but he did a, he did a really good job of, separating I, i'd like to think I'm, I'm envisioning him i don't know if it was from his cell he was part of that plot or it was before he went into into the concentration camp before he had went. to be before i guess mm-hmm. but i'm just picturing him having conversations with people that were really upset and he's just evidently you know struggling not to be angry but to be level-headed and prayerful and 
I don't know. I mean, I think I think that's frankly a good example. As as I'm buying everything Brant Hansen's selling, yeah. <laughs> in this book, I, I got to admit, somebody cuts me off in traffic. I think if I'm if I'm thinking on the Lord and I'm prayerful and I'm following Him fairly well, it's not going to offend me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone criticizes me as a dad or as a husband or as a leader or or a speaker, it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna rile me up. I. I I am curious. Someone hurts my daughter. You hurt your kids. Yeah. Someone hurts my wife. Um, how will I react? And I think I think about that a lot. I think as I study Jesus' teachings that are so counter to our violent, reactive culture, mm-hmm. how would I respond? You know, especially in our John Wayne, you know, just shoot him up, shoot him up, knock him <laughs> down. You know, culture. Um, and I think I know what I would do, mm-hmm. but. Who am I to say? Because I haven't been there, mm-hmm. you know? I think there's something really poignant about that, the, the context of every situation and just listening to what Jesus is saying to you. What um, I, I think he even quoted it somewhere in this book, but I always, oh no, it was Pat Page. <laughs> uh, Pat Page and Brent Hansen are the same in my brain, apparently. <laughs> but no, Pat. Uh, I think Pat would like that. Pat said something the other day about um, this person's really trying to test the Jesus in me, you mm. know? And uh, I say that all the time where I say that I'm the the Jesus in me is I'm going to, I need to have this human reaction mm. and then I need to, refocus myself and bring the Jesus back in. Um, but there is a new level of anger that I experienced when I became a mom, Mm. um, in regards to mama bear. uh, Yeah. It's a real thing. Mm. And I have always been, I felt a pretty chill person. The second I became a mom, I can't even tell you the amount of times just in the, the two years that I've been a mom that I have had moments where I'm like, you've, you've tested the Jesus in me specifically because my mama bear instincts come out and it's like a, it really is like an animalistic reaction. So I have to allow myself a little bit of humanness and then try to refocus what Mm -hmm. is God saying to me and what do I need to do about it? Like we ask. And that's the whole of chapter 15. I was about to say that. Yeah. It's mom's love. Heavy. Mm -hmm. Well, and the fact, oh, when he says that we tend to make an idol out of mm-hmm. mother's love, oh. did that, that hit you? <laughs> I, well, it hits me from both ends because there's nobody that I idolize more than my own mom. Mm. Happy birthday to her yesterday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or earlier this week. week. No, it was earlier this week. You're right. <laughs> it was Monday. You're correct. Um, so she, she, I always thought there's nobody I could love more than my mom. And then I had a baby and now I'm like, well, now there's nobody that I could love more than my sorry, baby. Ma- so sorry, I get it mom. from both ends. Yeah. Mom, you've been booted. <laughs> Got down. But I get it. I get it from both sides. Yeah. I get how we can idolize the love that we have for family and yeah. the, and mothers specifically. There's just another level. I, I think 15 was one of the most, and, and I say this not as a mom, obviously, but as, <laughs> as a, as a dad, as a, as a human who idolizes people, things, man, his letter, his three page letter mm-hmm. to this mom mm-hmm. was, I think one of the most powerful things in the whole book. Yeah. Um, uh, if you haven't read it yet, the mom basically says, you know, um, if I'm a good Christian and have faith and stuff, will God protect my kids? Mm-hmm. And he says, honest answer, he might, 
or he or might, he might not. not. Um, and then he goes on to which talk is, about which is the hardest thing in the world oh, to wrap the your brain around. Thing. Like, mm. and and he even says it flies in the face of what he says. Yeah. Our American evangelical church thinking because we love families, we love we love loving families. We nearly associate godliness itself with cherishing family beyond any other earthly thing. That someone would challenge this bond, the primacy of the family bond, is offensive, mm-hmm. and yet Jesus did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes on to say, we can make idol of our families. We can make idol of mother love. He talks about it. He says we. He talks about C.S. Lewis speaking very candidly about how we can make an idol out of our patriotism. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a, that's a hot button right there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do we really believe, bottom of 120, that God is good and will ultimately set things right? The real trust, I'm afraid, the real trust comes, I'm afraid, when what we think is right in our present reality doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So that takes me back to um, one of the things that... that stuck out to me just from chapter 13 to go to backtrack just a little bit. Yeah. Um, on, on page 102, he starts talking about um, it's really difficult, but the, bo- the Bible talks about waiting. And, and as, you, as you said, um, and I just turned away from it, so I don't have it in front of me now. Where did it go? I'll insert some humor. This is really, 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 <laughs> really hard. I know. I just wrote really five times, and that's pretty unprofessional, but I could have written a lot more. <laughs> I know it's hard because it's hard for me right now, and yet there it is. Wait! And it says, it's a, the, the, back to what you just read, the real trust comes, I'm afraid, when we think, uh, when what we think is right in our present reality doesn't happen. And, and so it takes me back to that, that, that conversation or that question about waiting, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bible is, is you know, he listed off several verses and says, "Well, there's there's plenty more that I could have that I could have thrown out there," um, and and it's that it's that living humbly and 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 walking with God, and you know, there's it says act justly, but also we're, we're supposed to wait. Like, how do there's we tension there? For yeah, sure. yeah. How do you well, how do you wait, but also act for? Well, justice, and only because know? I don't think most of us think about these wait passages. I just want to rattle off the ones he, he listed here. He says, wait on the, this is Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Psalm 37, nine for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37, 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Proverbs 20, 22, do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. And then we're supposed to seek justice. And right. <laughs> I don't, I, how, do you, yes. how do you do that? Like, but see, it, that, that's like what the I wait don't... side feels like, okay, sit around and wait for it to happen. Can, can, this but is... take, Go ahead, I think he, well, I think he says action and anger are not the same. It doesn't mean that we don't act, but we don't act out of anger. We act we act out of, out love, of love. We which act is that out of humility. Gutsy, I forgot the wording. Gutsy, but willful. With their best, seeking the best in for mind. others. Yes. Exactly. That's if a we can, kind of... if we can pause, maybe use yeah. pause instead of wait. If we can mm-hmm. pause and allow God, if we can make room for Him to work, and listen to what He's telling us to do, and act out of that instead of out of anger, act out of our our love and our Jesus likeness mm. as best as we can, then that is where we have to live. So we just have to maybe what not wait indefinitely. Don't sit there and go, okay, God, whenever you're feeling free to like 
blast down and blow up this situation, you know, send a fireball today or whatever it is that we're waiting for. Um, maybe if we reframed that and said, pause, get yourself together, get your heart with Jesus and then act as he's calling you to. This, this speaks so, so messily. That's not an adverb, is it? It, it speaks, speaks to how there's just so much tension in the life of a Christian. Mm. And <clears throat> I think that's one of two things for people. That's either beautiful and exciting and fascinating, which it is for me, mm-hmm. or I have friends who it's just downright discouraging and troubling and, and because there's a lot of us who just want things more black and white, you know? And, and I don't, I don't think we're allowed to live in the black and white. The world is so messy and we're filled with this tension of how do I love someone and not act out of anger, but how do I also join God in what he's doing to make things right? How do I, how do I live with this urgency to seek justice and sleep one third of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like just think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Like by, by choosing to sleep every night and not work 20 hour days by choosing Sabbath, I think is part central to the teaching of Sabbath. We are choosing to trust. We're like, I, I'm not going to carry it all. I'm mm-hmm. not going to put this ju- this need for justice all on my shoulders. I want to be a part of what you're doing, but I'm recognizing this is on you, God. Yeah. And he says, yeah, yeah, it's on me. It's not on you. Vengeance is mine. You know, I'm going to have justice in the end. Wait for me. Mm-hmm. And all at the same time, there's those moments where he nudges us, shoves us, go do this, you know. Yeah. But it's tension filled. It's not crystal clear. It's messy. It, mm-hmm. And I love that. I'm. It's part of what draws me to to the Lord and his truth. And um, every time I get it, think I get it figured out, he just wows me so is that remotely yeah hitting you where you are Brooke I I mean it's just I know this is a troubling subject (laughs) for you I just well it's it's like we live in this we live in this uh you can go back to the uh, the commercial that I grew up with the J.G. Wentworth um commercial that now it's in my head I it's my it's my money yeah Yeah. it's my money and i want it now like that's this the the society we live in is like this is what should happen she just did you're not listening oh i did it oh sorry i was i was totally locked in i was compartmentalizing and you just (laughs) no it's proving that i can compartmentalize (laughs) (laughs) i think that's called selective hearing i'm sorry what yeah um what we yeah but that's what that's where we live we live in this it should it's this is how it should be and yes. so therefore this should happen now you know mm-hmm. and i think that's like you go to 17 we're we're, we're waiting for something that's already happened yep. right but we want to re- reapply it yeah. in the ways that we think it should be mm-hmm. and i just I, that's that's why you know it stands out to me it's like yeah wait yeah. oh and let him do it not you it's not I need to go make this list of people that i need to take out you know glad i called that guy <laughs> and it is, it's the, it's the waiting on God that yeah. it's not about how I want it. And I want it now mm-hmm. to get back to my commercial, but okay. It's the letting go as, as he talks about throughout this, like yeah. we don't have the right to it. We have to let go of it. And so that's, that's why I just think it's, Im- it's important because if it just flies in the face of everything. Yep. And he talks about trusting God in every single chapter, how it all comes down to trust. He does. That's, it's a central, th- I like, I'm starting to, 
I'm starting to wrestle with, okay, I want to go back to my notes. Which chapter was that about trust? Oh, wait, it was all of them. I, yeah, <laughs> I hold on. I held, er, I held on. I can't even talk. I was reading a quote as I was talking. Um, I highlighted in every chapter something about trust and mm. worry and anger, um, how they don't go together. And oftentimes I think we, if we don't see a physical representation of God at work, then we don't acknowledge that things are happening. Um, but how often in our lives can we look back and say, oh, wow, God had his hand all over that situation. I can see God's fingerprints in all of these areas of my life, but it takes you being beyond it to, in order to look back and be able to see it. Mm. So there's so many times where we sit there and we say, well, God's, God's not here. God's not moving. I'm going to, I'm going to act because God's not doing things the way that I want. And we've justified it in our brains that that's the right thing to happen. Um, but only can we only later on, can we look back and go, wow, God was really, he was really there and he was moving and he was working. And I can't find the exact quote that I was looking for, but it, it talks specifically about just because we can't. It's 124, 125. Oh, there. Um, it's whether or not you currently yep. feel that God is around doesn't alter reality. Whether you not whether or not you feel He loves you, or even that you are worthy of His love, doesn't change reality mm. either. So we just because we cannot see it at the time doesn't mean it's not happening. Mm. Just because we don't feel it at the time doesn't mean it's not real. And we have to live in that trust. Isn't that from? I mean, we just sang Waymaker again at mm -hmm. church recently. In there, the bridge. What does it say? Even when I don't, even when I don't see, see it, it you're, you're working. working. Even, even when, when I, I don't, don't feel, feel it. it. Like that's just, it's like that, that's a great example of how God uses a song to pull my head out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, I sing those words. I've sung it a ton of times. Oh, here we go again. Waymaker, you know, like, and I'm singing those words and it's like light bulbs are coming back on. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot that. Even when mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about it, you're still, you're still doing Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. My bad. You know, mm -hmm. like. That's to me the power of music on a Sunday morning. That's to me, man, how many times do I beat this drum? I feel like I say this on the podcast all the time. That's partly why I love coming together on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Like when I hear people say, I don't need to go to church to be Ugh. a Christian, it grieves me because I don't know about them, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm forgetful. Mm -hmm. I'm not attentive to use his word. I'm not feeling it to use his words. And to be around other people who remind me. It's mm -hmm. why it's why I'm I want to see us have a, more of a storytelling culture at Colonial because when I hear stories back to your you said what tangible you know mm -hmm. proof of God at work when I hear stories of what God's doing when I'm not when I'm not even looking mm -hmm. it's so encouraging to my faith yeah. and it changes the way I see the world my challenges. So I think there's something really there for sure. Well, it's interesting that you bring up that point, and I forgot to uh, mention that earlier. It was tied into something I was thinking of, is that a lot of times people don't go to church or they leave the church because of an offense or because of the quote-unquote church hurt. Um, it's kind of a prominent topic with a lot of friends that I've Absolutely. engaged with recently. Church hurt has become like church a trendy term. Church hurt is a very big term right now. Yeah. 
And it, it's accurate because hurt people hurt people. And we mm. are a mess of broken people up in here. Yep. Um, and the more that you do life with people, you're going to hurt each other. It's inevitable. Yep. Um, it's human nature. But if we can, you, you talked about it a, maybe a month or so ago, that God calls us to stick. Mm. God calls us to have the tough conversations. He calls us to work through situations. And if we are all trying to be God honoring and we are trying to trust him and let him work, I think we would have far less church hurt if we all listened to what he was saying mm. and responded with him in mind instead. Preach. Okay. So let's talk about um, maybe just, just one more here um, that I'm going to take ownership of and not really, I'm just going to make us talk about. So no, no, uh, we want you to have the last word. Bro. That's right. I'm going to take the last word and then, uh, and then I'll take the final last word again before I stop recording. Um, okay. So in, in chapter, uh, chapter 18, um, he starts talking about, he's quoting DA Carson, um, That's in, a great quote. in love and hard places. Yes. Ideally, yeah. however, the church itself is not, is not made up of natural friends. It's made up of natural enemies. Oof. Let me skip forward and say, in, in light of the fact that we have all been loved by Jesus himself, they commit themselves to doing what he said, and, his com- and he commands them to love one another. And in this light, they are a band of natural enemies who love one another for the mm-hmm. sake of Jesus. I just thought that was a... I wanted to get your thoughts on what does that look like to... Because, because right now, we tend to, um, in, in, in our churches, in our uh, our. our the ways that we spend time, who we hang out with, even the places that we work, places that we live, we have we have so polarized those things. We're very where, tribal. Yeah, yeah, it's like well now now I'm not living in a world where we're natural enemies in you know quote unquote um, because we don't agree on everything or because we didn't you know get along and therefore we are working out of the love of Christ to love each other. Yeah. So how do we live this? If, if we're even moving farther apart away from that, like, how is that, how does the, you know, does it go back to what, what Kelly just said, that, you know, it's that, it's that, well, I got offended by this, this person, or the, what was said, or whatever, and so, peace, I'm out, mm-hmm. and then, and then we move on, but I just thought that was a really interesting comment mm-hmm. um, that he's, you know, quoting D.A. Carson, that it's like, oh, ideally, we're not best friends in this mm-hmm. place, but because of the love of Christ, we are coming together, yeah. and that's what shows the world something completely different than, oh, we can be buddies because, yeah. right. because I know you and we agree on stuff. And That grieves you know. me about the church in general, and I say church capital C, is it seems like more and more, you know, the church over there all votes this way, and the church over there yeah. all has that that racial makeup and the church over there has all that socioeconomic status and the church over there, um, all, you know, has this kind of, of, of neighborhood makeup. And I know in some ways that's just our drift. That's our, our, our connection with like people, but man, DA Carson, who's a a well-known brilliant theologian. Um, I've got a couple of his reference books on my shelf that I go to a lot. He just says it so well. Um, he says, part of what you skipped, he says, what binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. Christians come together not because they form a natural colloca- collocation. Is that a word? Collocation? Coalition, maybe? 
No. Okay. Um, <laughs> but because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. And I just, I don't know if that's idealistic or, but I buy it. I'm like, yes. I. But isn't that the point to be? Uh, it, yes, idealistic it is the point. Is the point, right? Mm-hmm. It, yes. Be idealistic, not in the sense that it's unattainable. Right. I, I think that's what we imply when we say, oh, that's idealistic. It's mm-hmm. unattainable. But idealistic in that it's beautiful and of Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. Like that's ideal. That's what he wants for us, um, and that's why I don't get when people are offended because someone in the same church votes a different way or sees a big social issue a different way, and so they leave. Mm-hmm. Like ah, stick. Like mm-hmm. what unites us is stronger than what separates us yeah. because of Jesus. And so I, th- I think that's certainly part of what's convicted me to go here to this material is. God calls us, yes, we're going to be offended. And I love how he distinguishes that from living offended lives. Mm-hmm. Just recognize it. Okay, why am I upset by that? Why does that bother me? Okay, pause, take a breath. What is what is the heart of God? What is the mm-hmm. way of Jesus? Ah, Okay, we're supposed to do life together. We're supposed yeah. to stick. We're supposed to love each other really well. There's a watching world going, all they do is fight. Yeah. <laughs> all they do is separate you know mm-hmm. constantly um oh, i'm heavy hearted about it and yet i will say this to you two friends here in our fancy little podcast studio and to a bunch of people who are listening right now that call colonial home i love that i have some people around me that want the same thing mm-hmm. that that long to love well long to point people to jesus long to overcome being offended uh, I think that's part of what, how we pull this off mm-hmm. is we we do it together. We do it in community. I can't do it by myself. I just turn into a grumpy old guy, you know? <laughs> no comments. <laughs> Brooks holding back. No. Nope. Nope. But loving others is is a ministry. Um, Jesus talks about the greatest gift you can ever give is to lay down your life for your friends and, and be loving to them. Um, and living in a way that when you get offended, which you're going to, it's going to happen, but when you get offended, you're going to need to recognize that's part of your ministry. And that is part of loving Jesus. And it's part of is, is giving them the grace. Um, and the exact quote, I couldn't find it, but he, he talks at length about how, um, when we have injury to one another, when we have broken relationships, broken heartedness, we have to take that up and say, that's okay because this is part of my ministry and this is part of what I'm called to do. I think it's, I think it's, that's what chapter uh, 19 is, Mm -hmm. is about is, is being that neighbor for somebody, you know, being that, that person. But just as you were, as you were saying that, um, you know, that we're called to the, the way that you can really show somebody that you love them is to lay down your life for them. Mm-hmm. Our context immediately says I'm supposed to die for someone. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm supposed to uh, give my life on the battlefield or be the shield in front of somebody. Like that's what our culture has taught us: is that the way to love somebody and the way to lay your life down for someone is to die for them. But how often is it actually should it be applied to us to say? I need to lay down my life in that I'm not going to necessarily physically die for you. Mm-hmm. And maybe if it came down to that, you get back to your, you know, talk about your kids. Like, 
I don't know how I would actually handle those situations. But to lay down your life is to sacrifice, okay, maybe I'm not going to watch Terminal List tonight because I need to go next door and talk to this person. person. And I need to lay down the things that I want for my life because the person Mm -hmm. next door needs me to love on them. Or I need to go visit this person. Or we need to make this phone call happen Mm -hmm. and spend FaceTime with this person because we haven't done this in a long time. Or I know Mm -hmm. that they need this right now. And so just as you were saying that, it was like, man, how many times do we just not, you know? Or how many times do we not because maybe that person who we need to love that God's calling us to love. Maybe they've hurt us time and time again. So we're just like, I'm done. I'm laying down a boundary here. But I always think of that analogy of like a snake falls into a fire pit and you want to help it. So you reach in, you try to pick up the snake and move it. The snake bites you. I don't, so I don't you, understand this scenario. Well, yeah, you said so why are you, I'm why not going to help I'm not going to touch the snake. This is a bad, this is a bad <laughs> but example. instead, it's the nature of the snake to bite. The, the snake has bitten you, and so you drop it back in the fire. Well, the snake still needs to be rescued. Mm-mm. So, you, no. <laughs> okay, How, uh, fluffy rabbit. The cat still a needs to be rescued. Yeah, the there you go. Still, oh, no, that's a, something that's gentle that you're not bad. afraid of. But so instead of reaching back in and doing the same thing, you go and you get a stick and you can lift it at length. It's not going to be able to reach you. It can't bite you. There's different tools that you can use to love people well, even if they've wronged you. So you can continue to be Jesus. You've completely derailed my analogy, I'm Lauren I'm so Jones. sorry. <laughs> I'm over here giggling. When you, you went from snakes to cats to... <laughs> no, like, I don't think you know how how bad are I Are you okay with snakes. lizards and iguana? I don't know. <laughs> Those are cousins. Those are cousins. Right, oh, I don't know. Like, go puppy or but something. My, but my point is that you don't stop loving just because <laughs> that individual has harmed you. Yeah. You yeah. just, yeah. you keep loving, you try a different tactic. No, I, forgive me for derailing you. I'm over here giggling. Yeah. The only thing I have to say, and I know, I know you'd agree with me when I say this, is we have talked a whole lot about loving well yes. and, and loving those that offend us mm-hmm. and uh, loving our enemies. And there is a time and a place to say, okay, this is a really unhealthy, mm-hmm. toxic situation. Mm-hmm. You've got to distance yourself from it. So mm-hmm. I know that's not, I know that's what you already know and believe. Right. But that's where you change your tactic. You, yeah. You pivot. Yeah. Say, yeah. That's, that's yeah. loving in a different way. Loving you got to love in a different way. Still love them. It doesn't mean yeah. that I'm going to yeah. love them. Yeah. You can love you. an abuser in a different way mm-hmm. that starts with, your own safety, mm-hmm. um, and then it then it gets really hard. Exactly. Okay, this person has hurt me; would probably hurt me again. Yeah. How? What does love look like? Yeah. Maybe it just means internal forgiveness. Yeah. Um, maybe that alone is the best form of love. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. But I think a lot of people confuse the idea of God's grace and love as saying like, I need to keep doing the same thing. I need to keep picking up this. Thing that's going to bite me or harm me. I need to keep doing it the same way. And that's not the case. You can still love, but change your, change your method. I say, let the snakes burn. Okay. <laughs> let them go. On man. that note. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have, we have gone well past our normal time here. Um, anything you guys would like to add here as we let the snakes and the cats burn? <laughs> <laughs> Can we make that into the title? I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe burn the cats. Let and it burn. <laughs> Just let it burn. burn it all down. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Lauren Lincoln. Lauren Lincoln. Burn it go. down. I love her. Uh, no, no, nothing. Okay. All right. So we have one more week to be unoffended. Can we be offended after that? Is yep. it? And once I have it's it on over, my calendar. Yeah, I think so. It's just this we during can this take series. the offense down. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we can we can take it back. Okay. Well, this has been the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. Kelly, thank you for being here. By the Any way, time. It's Thanks a treat. For having me. We are we are glad that you were here. Yeah. Uh, you can always get more information about Colonial 
colonialchurch.com or from the App Store or the Google Play Store where you can download our app. We uh, always love your questions. Brett, thank you for sending that in. Uh, Terry, the week before, thank you for all those questions. We, we appreciate those. You can send us questions, feedback, comments, things you want to uh, hear us talk about or discuss. Podcast at colonialchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We will pick up our conversation again next week. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Mm-hmm.